0: Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com, or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Well, we are back with you again for another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. Well, it's... I don't even know. Hey, who cares what day of the week it is? We're recording a podcast and a video for you today. I'm still joined by Daryl Hicks from St. Louis. He's here in Central Florida and you know what? I'm going to make "Hey while the sun shines, if you will, <laughs> because Daryl's here in the studio with me. Say, hey, Daryl to everybody.
1: Hey, thanks, Dave.
0: Well, that was short and sweet. Hey, folks, <laughs> I got to tell you, you are in for one wild podcast today because, well, Daryl's got something he wants to talk about. I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of what I want to talk about. And then I'm probably going to shut up and you might hear from me every once in a while. Cause I think once it gets rolling, we might not <laughs> do anything, but listen. You know, so here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if you've been following this or not, but the CDC just came out this week. We're in the first full week of April, 2021. And they just came out with a, a new bulletin, a new blast, and it's going everywhere. Matter of fact, I think this came out like either Monday or Tuesday, and CleanLink picked it up, and here it is this morning. The CDC says they have an updated guidance for caring for facilities outside of healthcare, suggesting that these places are only cleaned once a month at minimum. Now, it does say at minimum, so I want to just say they're not saying only clean once a day. They say at minimum, so that means that we should be cleaning, not disinfecting, and here's the big thing, soap and water. Now, when Daryl gets started, I got to tell you, we have been preaching this, Daryl and I, we've been preaching this for close to a decade, that all we need is soap and water. Now, here's the thing, if that wasn't true, folks then your hands would be one freaking contaminated tool. Now, we already know that, but everything that you've heard for the last year and a half when we're talking about COVID has been, wash your hands. Now, that wasn't with a disinfectant. What we haven't been able to understand is why all the guidelines said that you got to disinfect all the surfaces if, in fact, an envelope virus such as COVID could be, well, removed, And your hands would be safe if you use soap and water. So here we are, almost 16 months later, and the CDC finally wakes up to what Daryl and I've been talking about for all this time. And here's the thing. I've got it on recording from our sessions last year. And those people that were with us last year, you know what they got? is they got way ahead of the game. So all the thousands of people that joined us for our infection prevention classes here at the Academy got in on it. Now, I know you didn't come here to listen to me talk. You've heard enough of me, but I had to get my words in before Daryl gets started. So Daryl, I'm reluctantly giving the microphone to you for the rest of the show.
1: It's a dangerous move, Dave. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, uh, is everybody ready? Grab hold.
1: Yeah, I thank you, Dave. And, uh, you know, this news from the CDC uh, should not be surprising to us. Uh, you know, I believe that this whole last year has been uh, politically driven. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, politics were uh, the reason why there were these, you know, this is true, and then find out later that uh, it's not true. And so we've gone through uh, all these months and still uh, vacillating back and forth. And it just leaves the public and you, as uh, those in the profession of cleaning and disinfecting, uh, you know, pushed and shoved different directions by which way the winds are blowing. But the the issue or the truth through all of this is that surfaces still matter. And um, the public health problem is that from a public health point of view, surfaces matter way beyond COVID-19. Morbidity, mortality from these microbes uh, transmitted from surfaces and from high touch areas and, and the huge number of air transmission surfaces in our built environments cause economic and health outcomes far more impactful than covid-19. So the the truth is that surfaces still matter. They mattered before covid came along, they matter today and they'll matter even more tomorrow because we don't need to let up on the gas because CDC says that we can clean with soap and water once a day. The the what we're going to talk about here today is this whole uh you know, missive that came from CDC on Monday of this week and is just now getting filtered down to us. But we want to talk about um, there's, you know, there's still transmission of COVID from surfaces. Otherwise, if surfaces didn't really matter, why would CDC still encourage you to do hand hygiene wash your hands, use you know uh, hand sanitizer and just recently you know it came out that uh, some of the ingredients in some hand sanitizers that have been just pushed out to the market are actually uh, carcinogenic And so you know it just surfaces matter because we touch those surfaces. And if they didn't matter, then why would C- CDC encourage you to wash your hands?
0: So you, so what you're saying here is we wash our hands, which has been always will be the first line of defense right. against any pathogen that we come up to. Right. And so I think your point is we're not talking about just COVID, although this is what we're focusing on because of the current pandemic. So what we're trying to say today is, We don't want people to start thinking, well, I don't have to disinfect ever. Right. But, Daryl, you and I have always talked about cleaning. I think this is the interesting thing about all of this is that we're also seeing here that even in the new guidelines, they're really talking now more about cleaning. And I'm just looking at this here. It says protect yourself and other cleaning staff, which is, of course, my you know, this is, this is what I'm so much about here at the academy is protecting that frontline worker that's doing the job. And the first thing they say here is wear gloves and wash your hands. So, you know, always, you know, the cleaning, the high touch surfaces, we get all of that, but it's also clean. So cleaning is a part of disinfecting folks. And I think this is the whole point that really is great about all that we've went through. Because I think the general public, our frontline technicians are finally getting the fact that cleaning before disinfection, more cleaning, less disinfection. This is the message, is it not?
1: Yeah. And, you know, this guidance says to uh you know when to w- wash your hands. You know wear gloves for all these cleaning processes, tasks that uh, that we're doing. Uh, but then to wash your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds after you remove your gloves. And they're they're not saying hand sanitizer. There they're talking about physical removal, which happens with 20 seconds of s- soap, water added to it, and. Uh, Agitation uh, for 20 seconds, rinsing with clear water, and then grabbing a towel.
0: Oh, there you go, Daryl. You hit me right where the soft spot is. <laughs> you know, this is the thing that I have always talked about, folks. I told you we were going to get excited this, more, this afternoon because, you know, here's my point. You don't take and, and wash your hands with soap and then walk away. You rinse.
1: Exactly.
0: And you use a paper towel to remove what? Not soap, but rinse water. So if you apply that same practice, Daryl, to our hard environmental surfaces, shouldn't I rinse after cleaning?
1: That's something that hasn't really been thoroughly studied, but I believe that uh, as Dave does, That if we apply those same principles of hand washing, because as Dave said initially during this podcast is, why do we have this double standard that what makes hands safe for humans that we're going to eat, we're going to touch our face, our nose, our mouth, our eyes, what makes them safe is different than what we do to surfaces. Surfaces, we think that we just spray a disinfectant on them, wipe it. Don't allow it to dwell. We don't care what soil load is on that surface. We haven't washed it. We haven't rinsed it. And yet, you know, we have this double standard for what uh, goes as hand hygiene and surface hygiene. And they should be more closely aligned. And if we did the studies that showed that if we did the application of a neutral cleaner on that surface, agitated it with a microfiber wiper and then rinsed it and dried it then would we end up with safe clean surfaces just as we do safe clean hands
0: so as you think about this folks and 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 if you've been in the industry of cleaning we don't just talk about just one type of surface and i i I, kind of been looking at the carpet cleaning industry and the change of how we've went about cleaning carpets. You know, we used to put our shampoos and our extraction chemicals in the carpet extractor. We quit doing that probably 20 years ago because we were finding out that we had a carpet loaded, literally loaded with chemical residue. So what did we start doing? We pre-sprayed the carpet with our cleaners And then put rinse water in the machines to rinse that out. And this is exactly what Daryl and I are talking about this morning, is if we would start using that same principle to the hard surface, folks, if you've used an auto scrubber on a floor, (laughs) Daryl knows where I'm going already. Okay, come on, folks. We do this with $10,000 riding auto scrubbers or even a $1,400 a little micro scrubber what do we do the machine does have the chemical in 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 the water it scrubs it but folks what happens we dry the floor we remove that with a squeegee now what would happen if you actually did some of the studies like I have and you clean the surface you rinse the surface and then you remove that rinse water with a squeegee Now, I'm all about measuring the outcomes, and I think, Daryl, you're right there with me on this. If we had measured the outcome with our ATP meter once that you did that process, then that surface is going to be at a so low a number of microbial life on there that your disinfectant is going to do the job you want, if and when you want to use it. So it's like using a targeted disinfectant to do the final job. And if you're not there to provide a safe surface then i got another conversation we need to have with
1: you. <laughs> well and then part of this uh cdc guidance it says that uh, special consider special consideration should be made about uh people with asthma now this is not just the cleaning staff uh the cleaning professionals but those who utilize that space and that uh, what we're finding is that the VOCs given off by some of these disinfectants you know this epa well we're going to talk about the epa list in here in a minute but uh, so many of those are you know leave behind such a uh, high toxicity, uh, breathing, that it's triggering people with asthma, chronic um, occupational asthma, uh, breathing, upper respiratory issues. So it's building occupants and think about the little children they're learning in these schools who uh, haven't developed all of the um, the resistance to some of these chemicals like we have that have been around for a long time. But anyway, I think we we need to realize that uh, soap water rinse (laughs) and repeat uh, probably is going to be much better for the indoor environment and those occupants in the building that we're not leaving behind Uh, quaternary ammonium compounds and bleach-based products and parasitic acid and whatever else the, the cleaning staff is doing to disinfect with, but uh, we're not leaving behind those uh, those trace aerosolizations of disinfectants in that built environment.
0: Now, the new CDC guidelines does say use disinfectant safely when needed, and the l- end list is there. Daryl, the end list is all safe.
1: Wrong. Just because, uh, you know, like Dave says, EPA registers disinfectants and it's in the FIFRA program, which is part of the, wherever they started uh, registering disinfectants, EPA did back in the seventies. And some of these legacy disinfectants have been around since the seventies, have not been retested, you know, with today's multi-drug resistant organisms because they weren't even around back in the 70s. MRSA was just a blip on a screen. Uh, C. Diff. C. diff. causes more deaths uh, from hospitalizations than any other bug. But, you know, we didn't have these back in the 70s when a lot of these legacy disinfectants were registered initially. EPA has tried to, um, to make these legacy disinfectants go back through and register them today against the more stringent AOAC guidelines than they had back when they were originally registered. And what they found was they they stopped doing that because 70% of those disinfectants were failing today's standards. And so they stopped the testing. But we have these disinfectants out there. There's 535 at last count I had on this list in, that EPA put out as uh, effective against not only COVID-19, but new and emerging pathogens. So that list has got 535 on there. And I probably wouldn't recommend more than 10 of them uh, because of their their low toxicity and their low corrosivity, their short contact times, and uh, their uh, the things that they kill, and some of these have got a 30 second kill for uh, COVID-19 on their labels. And so, why are we why are we using these disinfectants that take five minutes, 10 minutes uh, of contact time? But back to what we said earlier. And Dave nailed it when he said if we apply disinfectants to these clean surfaces that we scrubbed with soap and water and then we rinsed and then we dried and then we applied the disinfectants, the CDC and the EPA says that 60 second contact time, I don't care what's on the label, they've been tested that applied to a pre-clean surface like we just described, then uh, 60 seconds is all the wet time that you need on that surface for the disinfectant to do its job.
0: Because what you've done, Daryl, effectively, if you provided a surface that doesn't have a bacterial soil load on it, so the disinfectant can do the job of killing. And as you explained, FIFRA registers that pesticide as a killer, not as a cleaner. And so this is the thing here as is, is we're trying to say folks and the CDC with everything that's in this new guideline actually is actually saying everything right when it comes to clean it and disinfect it, just read between the lines, folks, use some common sense, the rinsing. I know I keep going back to that rinsing Daryl, but you know, the rinsing is the key part here. We don't want to let a chemical buildup continue. And so, you know, and and you go back to the label. Does the label actually have to say to rinse and to use a squeegee or to use a dry microfiber to actually get you to understand that this is the right thing to do? I mean, are we so blank between the ears that we've got to wait for somebody to tell us every single common sense thing to do? And my point is this, folks. If you run your car through the car wash, whether it's an automatic or you do it at home, are you going to leave the soap on the car so that the rain can wash it off later? No. You're going to rinse the car off. And are you going to just let the water spot spot on the car? No. You go through the dryer or you hand wipe it to dry it. You do the same thing with your dishes. You do the same thing with your laundry. You do the same thing with your hand. Why are these surfaces... That everybody is touching, so different. They're not. And I think that's the point. So you look at the label, it says use chemicals safely, follow the directions, read what it says. Daryl, I know we're going to, we, we could talk for days yeah. on this. Yeah. Alternative disinfection methods are mentioned in the new guidelines.
1: Yeah, it goes on to say uh, examples of alternative surface disinfection methods, first one being ultrasonic waves. I don't know what that is, Dave, on surfaces, ultrasonic waves, have you seen that?
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, it's out there. There's everything out there right now, (laughs) Daryl. I mean, in the last year, I can guarantee you everything that would kill anything has come out of the woodwork.
1: Okay, so you've got ultrasonic waves, you've got high-intensity UV radiation, LED blue light against the virus that causes COVID-19, and all these have not been fully established. We have the manufacturers making claims, and unsubstantiated, they'll have their third-party testing, but the EPA has not uh, fully established those as uh effective unless they meet certain criteria but one of the ones you know in most cases it says that that fogging fumigation and wide area or electrostatic spraying is not recommended as a primary method of surface disinfection and has several safety risks to consider now unlike the previous ones that i mentioned the uv the led blue light all those are a mechanical disinfection what we're talking about with fogging fumigation and electrostatic spraying is an application device for disinfectants and the disinfection uh, disinfectant application device could be a microfiber flat mop it could be a microfiber wiper or it could be an electrostatic sprayer and people uh, have got to understand that it's just an application tool uh, like those other things that i mentioned but i think that we have done we have seen and uh, experienced some of this widespread fogging or electrostatic spraying uh, or drones flying over a stadium, or now they've got them that fly around inside of schools and inside of buildings and applying disinfectant. And so it's a application tool, but it should be applied to pre-clean surfaces, is what CDC is saying, is that do not just put disinfectants on soil.
0: And I think, Daryl, this is the point that we made for the last year and a half, uh, and I think we're probably going to continue to make this point. These are application devices of a chemical of some sort that has a rating to kill microbes. We all get that. Here's the issue. As you said, have we pre-cleaned that surface before the disinfectant is applied to that surface? In many cases, we can see this evident. The answer is no. Now, let's get past that for just a moment. When you're using an electrostatic, let's hone in on the electrostatic because this has been the big thing for the last year of of any type of spraying device. Here's a problem I have with this. It's not the product as much. It's not the chemical unit that's, that's spraying as much. It's the process that's used. So we've got uh, another uh, part of our infection prevention course that we're doing this afternoon. And one of the things I'm going to tell the class on the Zoom call this afternoon is whenever that you are applying a disinfectant through any type of a sprayer that is handheld by the technician, the operator, that it must be applied from the bottom up. Now, you're probably wondering why. And here's the biggest reason, because I want to protect that frontline worker. Now, this doesn't matter whether you have on all of your protective equipment or not. It's a habit. It's a practice. It's a routine that I'm trying to go after. Because at that time that you may have not put the mask on quite right, or you moved it and there's an air gap, whatever it may be, I'm trying to get to the point of let's set up a healthy practice of application. You apply from the bottom, and you go up. When you have arrived to the top, you back up. And you're always backing up in the environment that you're applying the product on. In this way, the technician is not in any way, shape, or form going to be inhaling the product. Now, what I think you need to understand is if you are using true electrostatic spraying, the product is falling to the surface at a much faster rate than if I'm just using a fogger, or if I'm just using a trigger sprayer. And this is why we have a little bit of an issue with these non-electrostatic products that apply or uh, devices that apply disinfectants is because they do float in the air and allow more of the breathing of the product. So if you are using electrostatic, please remember folks, always apply from the bottom up. That is a safety practice. And Daryl has nothing to say right away. man. I tell you what, he he must be contemplating that next thing because folks, the next thing on the laundry list, if you will, is one that just Daryl just loves. Uh, Let's uh, sterilize the carpet, (laughs) Daryl.
1: Yeah, let's disinfect the carpets and the drapes and the soft surfaces. If you look at any disinfectant, even if it's got a soft surface claim, it is a sanitizing claim. And uh, we we have disinfectants, hard, non-porous surface disinfectants. And we are applying those disinfectants to soft surfaces for which they do not have a claim. One of my big uh, bugaboos is that uh, in hospitals, we're applying these hard, non-porous surface disinfectants to hospital bed mattresses. And I have seen the destructive nature of the corrosivity of these disinfectants on hospital bed mattresses. So it's, uh, it's something that that disinfectant was never meant to disinfect because you cannot disinfect a soft surface. I don't care what the label says, sanitizing at best. But when it comes to carpets, the notion that we can disinfect carpet Carpets, or even sanitize them, I say is a like a unicorn. It's a myth that doesn't exist out there in the real world. And uh, at best, we, we as Dave mentioned earlier, we no longer put the uh, shampoo in the solution tank, applying it to the carpet because of the buildup. Back in my earlier days when we used to bonnet uh, shampoo c- carpet, you know. Every third time that that we shampooed that carpet, we had to just use clear uh, water in the tank and try to remove the soap residue left behind because of its nature of attracting soil and not repelling it, so anyway, Just think about that, that if we cannot apply disinfectants to a surface that has greater than 5% soil load, how much soil do you remove from a carpet through vacuuming and through hot water extraction, or through, uh, you know, even a truck mount, uh, you are only going to remove, you know, whatever moisture you put down into that carpet. You're only going to recover 65 to 75 percent of it. You're leaving behind that other 25 to 35 percent, and all you've done is make mud in that carpet. That uh, first of all, you didn't remove everything by vacuuming it. You agitate it, as Dave said, with some uh, sort of a counter-rotating brush before you, you know, so that you pick up the pile and you are removing some of that soil. A lot of the soil can be removed by these uh, uh, counter-rotating brush devices. And so what we're doing to carpets is not disinfecting them at the same as sanitizing them we're removing what we can but we're leaving behind so much more that when it dries and then wherever the the vacuum runs over it you know it's drying with not only the soil, but the pathogenic stuff, whether it's COVID or, you know, MRSA, whatever is left behind. Then when you come along with that vacuum with the beater bar brush and, uh, you know, no HEPA filtration, then you're just exhausting whatever was in that carpet now onto the horizontal surfaces in that space. It could be desk, it could be furniture, furnishings. But uh, so, Carpet is a, uh, something that we have not been able to uh, effectively sanitize and disinfect. And I think that this, uh, this last 16 months has proven again that uh, soft surfaces are a real challenge. If you can't take it out and put it into a wash machine and run it through a wash cycle and drying, then uh, soft surfaces are not going to get sanitized or disinfected.
0: Well, as I said, Daryl has a lot to say, and I'm going to leave this one alone because if you come to one of my uh, accredited carpet care classes here at the academy, you'll get a whole lesson on the fact of what we are not doing to carpet and the fact that you can't do anything but clean carpet. And you don't even know how to clean carpet effectively, and I'll challenge anybody to come to my class and prove to me differently. So there you go. There's a challenge because this is one of my pet peeves. I, you know, my new trailer that I just got, by the way, I live in a mobile mobile home. Uh, I'm taking all the carpet out. It's all going to be LVT where I can clean it and disinfect it whenever I care to. So let's get off on to, off of that subject because that one I don't even want to get started on this, uh, this morning. Daryl, you know, what is interesting to me with all of this is what's considered high-touch surfaces, and I have a real problem with light switches, because I don't know about you. But why do we consider a light switch in school a high-touch surface when nobody turns the lights off? <laughs> you know, here's a high-touch surface, right? Electronics, computer tea- keyboards. What about the touchscreen at the Wendy's check-through sh- place where you go? I was at a, at a store this morning. You know, hey, have you ever been to Lowe's or Home Depot or Flooring Outlet? What do you have? Self-service. I even, yes. saw, I even saw where they've got a hotel. They got they got rid of the attendant at the hotel. It's now you go into the hotel and it's all touchscreen to get make your room reservations and get your keys. Folks, these are high-touch surfaces. I think what we've got to do is rethink what we have historically said is high-touch surfaces. When was the last time you went to an ATM machine and you never think anything about it, but you do this? And when was the last person that you just followed that car? I don't even want to talk about what they were doing in that car.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, what we're finding is that this, uh, last year has taught us is that we have taken these hard surface disinfectants and we're applying them to these high touch surfaces like dave said these keyboards these kiosk uh self-pay kiosk and atm machines and uh i was at a big box store this week and at the uh you know where you uh go to pay and you have to touch the screen and what have you, there's a sign right on there to the store employees that says, do not spray chemicals onto this, spray it onto the cloth and then wipe it because they have been frying keyboards that were never intended to be sprayed and wiped. And uh, the other issue I have with that, it was, you know, when Dave says, you know, they're not wiping in between, customers well i've seen that and young man and stand there with this bottle of disinfectant and one rag and as soon as a person would step away from it the keyboard keypad he'd walk up spray it wipe it and wait for the next one and everyone's standing there thinking this is great they're disinfecting in between each customer And I said, you know, I'm saying to myself, no, he's spreading it from this screen to the next screen to the next screen by using the same rag to do all of that. So even though you have the right product and the right notion, it still has to be the right process. And uh, the process is one surface, one, uh, you know, wiper. So is it's a three prong approach. It's product process and the person doing it and that person doing it has to be supervised by somebody. You know, don't assume because you train them on day one that on day 14 they're still doing the process as they were trained to do. So just the caveat about that is that uh, these are high touch surfaces at the gas pump, you know, wherever you go, Uh, You're going to have these high-touch surfaces that don't get disinfected, and that's why I say it's your personal responsibility to take care of your own health, and that's where the the hand washing and the hand hygiene comes into into play, is don't assume that that surface that you're touching on, uh, touching at the gym has been disinfected by someone. It's, Kind of like I use the the analogy of if someone hands you a gun, do you assume that it's not loaded? You assume that it's loaded and you treat it like it's a loaded weapon and you do not point it to someone and pull the trigger to find out if it's loaded or not. We need to do that with the surfaces that we are touching out there in the public, is assume that it's filthy and no one has, has disinfected it and we go ahead and do our our, uh, our transactions and then we walk away and we use the hand sanitizer so that uh, i'm responsible for my own health and i don't expect that store to uh, to do everything to protect me i i have responsibility for myself and no one else
0: daryl i want to follow that up with kind of a thought here before we end our podcast today because One of the things with the new guidelines that came out this week is if, in fact, there hasn't been a sick person there, you don't need to clean and disinfect more than once a day, or that's the minimum. But my point is this, Daryl, who tells us if there's been somebody sick in that building? You know what, I've been in this industry for a very long time, and I'll tell you, But most of the time when I go in the building, I have no idea how many people was in that building. I don't know what their color was, their race was, their their gender. I don't know anything about the occupants. All I see is what they left behind for me to clean up after. So what do I do to figure out, well, you know what, I'll just clean it. Or I don't need to use a disinfectant. Or maybe should the management of the service be doing this more than once a day? You know, we do this in our infection prevention. You know, I throw a picture up on the screen and say, what should I do? And everybody comes up with all of these things they should do. And I said, you know, here's the problem. I didn't ask any questions first, find out what the issue was. How do we know whether somebody has been sick in the building so I know what protocol to do?
1: Well, that's where you assume uh, the worst case scenario. And, you know, as far as personal protective equipment goes, you know, the guidance is that if you are aware that someone with COVID was in that space, then you have to protect yourself a certain way, including uh, filtered mask and gloves and
0: and, 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 and gown, and then if there's any bloodborne pathogens, oh gee, you know what? I got to clean the restroom. Is there bloodborne pathogens possible in the re- restroom? So that means I should wear boot covers. When was the last time that you seen a technician going around cleaning your building with a gown, with gloves, with boot covers, a face shield, and an uh, and a filter mask, not a paper, or not a cloth mask, but a filter mask. What would would happen if this is what we saw everybody doing every night in all of these buildings, Daryl?
1: Well, because CDC has said that this is uh, transmitted through aerosolization, and uh, so... The time that we go in to clean that building, you know, if everyone goes home at 4 o'clock, maybe it's not best to go in at 4.30 and start our cleaning process. Let the air handling system filter a lot of that out, and so we start cleaning at 11 o'clock after everyone went home at 4.30 so that the airborne risk is less you know, things have settled, you know, dust has settled at the rate of an, uh, what, three feet an hour or one foot an hour. And so, you know, one foot an hour, you know, so this dust is settling and then we come along and we are wiping those high touch, uh, desktops and what have you. So that
0: means that everybody's listening right now is going to say, well, I can't clean until 11 o'clock at night, Daryl.
1: Well, (laughs) then, then the next thing is if you can't do that, then, uh, close off those areas if you know that someone's been sick close them off and then do those last but you don't want to cross contaminate and go in there first it's like you don't start cleaning the restrooms first and then we come out and clean the public areas we clean from the cleanest part of the room or the building to the dirtiest part dirtiest part being those believe it or not you know that desktop has probably got more germs on it than the toilet seat in the public restroom, because, uh, you know, the, the person that's sitting there is touching those surfaces all day long, their hands are soiled, they haven't done the hand hygiene, and now they've left behind a lot on that surface that needs to be removed. It may not be your task to clean that personal space every day, but I'm just telling you that we clean from the cleanest part to the dirtiest part. And so when we're cleaning these spaces that may have been, uh, you know, someone sick there, then we we need to uh, gown up, glove up, mask, face shield. You know those things that like i said you treat as if it's a a loaded weapon and then you'll never regret uh, at the end of the day that you didn't protect yourself and others
0: you know there's a number of things that are coming out right now daryl and and i i think that uh here at the end of this podcast i think was very interesting um there's a gentleman a former Florida state toxicologist. And yes, you do see me reading over here because I want to make sure I get this right. David Krause, who now is an independent uh, expert that used to chair the American Industrial Hygiene Association. And one of the things that he said, which is exactly what we've been saying, Daryl, I'm a full advocate of soap and water effective cleaning. (laughs) You're better off trying to physically capture and remove it than trying to destroy its genetic capabilities. Now, I would agree, uh, to tell me if you feel correct, Daryl, that this goes not just for COVID, but for all of the pathogens that cause illness and death.
1: Exactly, and that's why, you know, What I've said in my little infection prevention for dummies book is that for too long in this country, we've been, uh, we've depend on disinfectants to kill the little boogers when we ought to be removing them. And you remove them is by physical uh, removal, which we have talked about here. Soap, water, rinsing, wiping dry. uh, That's how we remove them. And that doesn't remove all the pathogens from that surface. But what it does is it reduces the uh, ev- the likelihood of transmission of disease. It reduces it to a safe for purpose level. And desktops in a, a school or uh, a countertop at a uh, Retail store is different than, you know, cleaning in an uh, operating room in a in a hospital. So you've got to look at the fit for, fit for purpose. What is that purpose intended to be used for? And do we need to go to these lengths to try to disinfect it when all we need to do is to clean it and remove the soil from the surface? And with the soil goes... 99% of the bad guys. What we don't want to do is leave food behind for the bacteria to, bacteria need food and water and oxygen to replicate. And if we remove their food and water from that surface, then uh, the likelihood of them replicating at the regular rate of a million in four hours, then, uh, you know, one bacterium becomes a million in four hours. If we don't, uh, leave food behind for them to, uh, to live on, then the likelihood of them surviving for very long is pretty low. You know, you take food away from people and uh, it's not long before they're not around anymore.
0: So I think the thing is folks here in this podcast, we do not want to tell you. And when you, and if you please understand, we have not told you not to use a disinfectant. We didn't say that we didn't tell you not to use a fogger not to use an electrostatic sprayer, not to use any of these things. We never said that. But what we are saying is, if you're gonna use any of those things, clean the surface effectively so that those things and those processes can actually do the job that they were intended to do and use them in the proper process and procedure to protect the health of the frontline worker and all of the people in that environment, this means that what we are on and and I really and I'll say this right here live on the air. I really love what happened to us this last year because it has made all of us pay attention. The only reason you're listening to this today is because you're now paying attention to what we've been preaching for the last decade. And it's, well, as Daryl and I say, it's about time you woke up. <laughs> and, I, and I apologize for saying it that way, but you understand. And, and if you already are doing this, all that this is is just more confidence that you're doing it right. Because you know what? There are a lot of people, especially those that have attended our class over the last year, that are doing it right and are following the guidelines and are using common sense in doing it. And we champion you for doing it that way. So we're not trying to say that everybody's doing it wrong because not everybody is. And, and those people that have attended the class here at the Academy. Uh, you've gotten the information. If you haven't attended a class here at the Academy, we welcome you to come because every month Daryl and I do this infection prevention for experts. Uh, on a live basis through Zoom. We we would love to have you join us. Daryl, we've got a class to do this afternoon, so we've got to get off of the air and get ready for that class. I, I, I know with a little trepidation, I'm going to ask you, do you have any last words?
1: Yes, I do. And Dave, thank you for the opportunity to get this in. But, you know, this guidance from CDC is about, you know, not having to disinfect uh, surfaces as often or as rigorously as we have in this past uh, 14, 15 months. And that's not the message that you need to take away from this is that we still have these everyday pathogens that are killing people and they're not all in hospitals or nursing homes they're out there in the public. But uh, what, I have read a survey yesterday that said that if CDC said today that we don't need to wear masks any longer in this country, 75% of the people would still continue to wear masks. And what I'm saying about applying that to cleaning and disinfecting is people are still watching you, still watching what you produce. And they will not believe that any surface or any area, whether it's a hotel room or a uh, restaurant, they're not going to believe that the place is clean if there's visible soil or uh, evident in carpets and grimy surfaces. And just because you put hand sanitizer at the entrance, they're not going to believe that that place is safe for them to uh, to shop in, to study in, to work in. Uh, They're still watching us and they still expect safe, clean, disinfected surfaces.
0: Well folks, uh, we ran out of our time today. Please join us on one of our Podbean live. We did not go live today because this was kind of one of these things that happened and we wanted to address this issue right now. And that's kind of one of the nice thing about having a podcast and having YouTube. So, if you're watching us on YouTube, please join us with some of our other hundreds of videos that we have on YouTube. We've got, I think, there's like 5,400 downloads of our podcast. We thank you for joining us there on Podbean Live at uh, Beyond Clean with Ace. If you haven't attended one of our classes and you want to see what we're talking, we've been talking about uh, today. Go to www.academyofcleaning.com. You'll find all the new stuff there. There's always something new, just like this week. And I can guarantee you, the next class we do, we're going to be talking the same language, maybe with a little bit new twist now that the CDC's done what they have. So if you agree with this, let us know. If you don't agree with us, yeah, let us know that. Let too. us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want to hear it on both sides. And by all means, if you've got something to say and you'd like to talk to us live on the air, come on and let's do it on Podbean Live. That's what it's there for. So until we meet each other again and we talk, make sure that whatever you do is healthy, positive, and proactive. Daryl, if they're on class, they'll see you this afternoon. If not, I'm sure we'll catch you again.
1: Thanks, Dave.